Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society, and welcome to Stink Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories, and thank you for tuning in. On today's podcast, we are going to Calgary, and we have our dear friend, Graham McFarland, better known as Reaper from the Ride Home with Reaper on CJ92. Welcome back to the show. You've been on before, so it's good to have you back. Thank you very much for inviting me back. We know you're from an Ed- you're from Edmonton when you say Calgary. Oh, right. <laughs> How do you say it? It's just Calgary. Calgary. L-G-R-E-E. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm actually from Saskatchewan, so that uh, comes. Well, double whammy then. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I love our media people like to uh, have fun with me. Um, all right. Let's jump into this. We got some things to talk about today. We're going to start with, uh, I know a little bit about the story because we talked about this on a podcast season one, I believe. How long have you been riding and what got you into it? Um, well, I did ride a bit of dirt bike, like buddies, dirt bikes every once in a while. Never had one of my own, but uh, was for whatever reason, always, you know, every other weekend kind of thing uh, on dirt bikes. Well, Maybe not even that frequently, but I started riding in 2016. So I haven't been riding that well, I guess now, not so bad, but uh, 2016, uh, I'd never been on a street bike before, um, bought a couple of motorcycles and just started, right? Um, Did a motorcycle safety course, did all the right things, got the license and um, slowly, and uh, very carefully started, and then yeah, I think I'm still in the same boots, right? I'm not, uh, I'm not like a super crazy rider or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's been good. I ride a uh, uh, Indian dark horse. I started on an Indian Scout, um, rode that for about a year, and then went. I'd like something that could actually, you know, maybe carry something with me bigger windshield, that kind of thing. So it's a, you know, I'm not a massive guy, so it's a larger bike, but uh, very, it's awesome. I love riding it. Well, and it's a gorgeous bike. I will say that. Thank you. Thank you. I built it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Built it with all the. No, I just bought it. Yeah. Built it with all those dollar bills. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so what made you do it, though? What made you get a license? Like, what was that thing in you that said, I need to do this? Well, I've always uh, I've always had some kind of a sporty car. Always, always, always. Um, uh, I, like, I, I drive, like, I, and all my cars are a little bit older. I drive, like, a older 350Z, you know, six speeds and a clutch. Okay. 300 horsepower. Um, I've had, and I'm just about ready hopefully to start it at some point here. Uh, I've had my high school car, uh, since high school. Uh, and it's a 1975 Chevy Vega. So I'm in the process of stuffing a new 350 and transmission into it and burning dinosaurs and rubber and before the outlaw, all this stuff. Um, so I guess I've always had that 
kind of, I don't know. If you, if you want to commute and you want to uh, move like we all have to, you might as well have fun doing it. Like, don't get a boring anything. Like, at least get something. Like, I can, I can maybe fit, fit three T-shirts into my car, but I have fun driving that thing. Yeah, my daily commute is awesome, right? Drop a gear, pass a guy, all of that stuff. So I think that's probably it, right? It's probably the need for uh, the clutch in the gear and the gas. So you're a bit of a gearhead. Bit of a gearhead, yeah. That works. That's that's a good reason to get into motorcycles. But then you also got into AMSS. And why yeah. was that something important to you? Um. I think that um, I started when I started, I was being pretty careful about it. Right. Like I realized that I realized my limitations and I realized what roads I didn't like being on. I realized you're more attuned to the time of day, the traffic, the uh, I'm not going to go west when everybody is coming east from uh, uh, camping on a long weekend. You realize your timing of all that. Um so I, I think that when you and I kind of talked about this or you approached me, I went, well, it's a natural fit, right? Like, and I do wear gear. I mean, I don't wear leather all the time, but I've got, I've got an armored jacket and I always wear like big, thick leather boots and armored clubs uh, and a uh, full face helmet. Like, um, so I'm very conscious uh, the wrong uh, is going to be not your best day. So at least protect yourself doing that. So I just thought it was a natural fit. When you approached me, I was going, yep, we should absolutely, absolutely. Why wouldn't I do it, right? Well, and the ironic part about you saying you got into writing about, what, 2016, correct? Yep. So yep. that was actually the first year we ran the pilot project launch in Edmonton. So when we approached you the next year, that would have been your second year riding and our second year going. So the timing on that couldn't have been any better. Yeah, that's true. Right. Like you guys just launched and uh, I think Marty Forbes actually reached out as well. So, um, and we were doing, um, I voiced some spots for Alberta and, uh, I think he did you guys do web stuff or TV or whatever. Yeah. We, we did a, vi a commercial with you. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it was just, it's a natural thing and it's a super easy thing to do. And the more that we can get the word out that there is a, an actual person underneath that helmet, not just a guy or a girl on a bike, a faceless, nameless person that that seemed like a no-brainer to let everybody know hey look it if if you see a bike on the road it might be me right like it might and i've got kids and grandkids and all of that so uh pretty important to get a voice out that somebody might recognize and might double check right yeah, and, so and we used your video um, this spring in our campaign for one of our paid boosts on social media for that reason, to reshare the message of it could be anybody under that helmet, but also because, you know, we, we like to try and cover all of Alberta. And so to use somebody from Calgary as well, from Edmonton and, you know, oh. and branch that out, it, it attracts the crowds because you're very well known where you are. So 
we, we need you and we're grateful to have you. Oh, anytime, anytime. All right. Let's get back to the fun stories. All right. So back to riding your amazing dark horse or even your scout, who knows when your favorites, your favorite riding places, what bike and where? Well, uh, I've only ridden the two remember, um, I will probably say, I'm sorry, we had a little ding in my phone there. Um, I'll probably say, I don't know. I've kind of branched out. Just before COVID, me and three of my buddies uh, rode out to Vancouver Island. Um, uh, You do Highway 1 and then you get off Highway 1. We did the Sea to Sky and that was great. And then uh, just riding on the island. Riding on the island is, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's great, but it's it's not the mountain passes. It's a little slower, a little bit more congested. Maybe the roads aren't the best, uh, but still spectacular. Uh, so Cedar Sky is pretty cool, but I don't know. Highway 40, like if I want to lose everything in my head and pre-COVID, you could turn left out of Ogotoks beyond highway 40 in about, I don't know, 35 minutes, 40 minutes kind of thing from here and leave on a, like a Wednesday morning. And there wouldn't be a soul out there. Like you might see one or two cars. Uh, now people bought a lot of trailers and camping gear, more population. I think that they, that the secret's kind of out about the area, but still uh, it's not jam packed. And I think it's the highest paved elevated road in North America. So it is an amazing ride. Okay. Canada for sure, but not North America. Maybe. Although I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> uh, so you to, if you get, if you, if, if for our Edmonton uh, listeners, if you come down here um, and you go to, let's say, Longview. You might have heard of Longview Jerky. Uh, Clint Eastwood shot his movie there. Um, it's a spectacular foothills rolling along a river until you get onto Highway 40, which they close um, uh, halfway through the year. It's closed during the winter. So they open it, I think, June 15th. Don't go that day. Too many people, but um, go maybe the weekend after and experience it. It is, it's absolutely incredible. There's a gas station kind of two thirds of the way. You can go all the way to the number one, or I always turn around and do it again. So I'll do it twice and then come back to Okotoks, right? Uh, It's just spectacular. You can stop, go to a creek, see mountains on the different side of the number one. So Long story short, which still is a long story, probably Highway 40 because it's so close and so accessible. And I still need to get a bike down there, and you've already promised me tour guide through there at oh, some well, point. I, yeah. So someday um, now, but you're talking highest elevation that that concerns me. I found out uh, this summer. I have uh, like my scramblers in EFI and I found out on the Icefields Parkway that the one elevation I was going over, my, my bike doesn't like it. Um, oh, I up. Well, if I, if I hold it steady, it's fine. But if I try and give it a little more gas, it like, 
it it's trying to correct itself and, and it's a little freaky, but apparently it's fine. That's what I've been told. But I do want to come do Highway 40 because all I hear from all of my people down in Calgary that this is the best road ever and I haven't been on it. That yeah, sucks. It, it's pretty cool. You got to get on it for sure. <laughs> um, before we get into something super special that reappeared this year, in your years of riding, has there been any like hard lessons learned? We've all had those close calls. Like anything happened to you that stands out that, gee, I wish I would have maybe done that different or glad nothing really serious happened or. Um, well, yeah, I think there's, uh, if, if you're riding, um, the unfortunate part about riding is you you don't know those sphincter tightening moments until you're in the sphincter tightening moment. You can't you can't study. You can be told. You can be warned, but until you're in that moment, you have you have no clue how you're going to react. And I remember coming back from that um, Vancouver Island trip, and we're uh, going through Hope, and they have some pretty large. Um, uh, cement medium in between. Uh, so they might be like eight feet tall kind of thing, six feet tall. And I got tunnel vision because there was a semi trailer on my right and another semi coming the opposite way with the median. And I just got tunnel vision through there. And I had to, I can still hear my brain going, you know, swearing at me turn. Cause I was in a corner and I, for whatever reason, those, the two semis and you're in between them and it's moving on both sides it just made my brain kind of shut off for like a millisecond. And as you know, if you're at speed, that millisecond, that half second is going to be all that it takes and you're into the barrier. So uh, it was that uh, classic case of, and I don't, I don't want to say classic case, but it's target fixation, right? And, but it was target fixation in my peripheral that, that absolutely uh, turned my brain off. And I had to physically uh, push so hard on my uh, my right side to get out of it that I just kind of, oh, you know, you just wake up. So yeah, that's probably it is the target fixation. So even when I'm uh, uh, on a daily ride and you see like a little mark in the road or something like that, I'll look at it and then look away. And then I know it's there. And then I just go around it like a tar snake or something, right? but I, I do it on purpose now so I can look at it and look away and then, and then move away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You see distance and go, I'm going to use that as my pivot point or whatever, and just get away from it, whatever it is. Right. So I think that lesson learned where uh, your sphincter tightens up so tight that your brain turns off. Uh, that will teach you everything you should learn you should learn from that, right? And then you go back from that. Okay, there's so many things that can lead into that. Was I hungover? Was I tired? Was it, uh, you know what I mean? There's all, the, it's everything leading up to that point that I look back on. I go, okay, wait a second. Why did I react that way? And then you can go back and go, well, we did have a couple of beers on that after ride uh, the night before, but it wasn't anything crazy. But still, you might not have slept properly. You're up early and all that. And I think it all factors in, right? So 
yeah, target fixation and uh, ooh, that little boom. <laughs> that holy crap! Yeah. yeah. Well, it's nice though to hear that you like go through those moments and then actually kind of when you're out of it, take a step back and go, why? And I think a lot of people don't do that. It's it's sometimes it's like, okay, well that happened. I couldn't have changed anything anyway, but what if there was something you recognized and went, I got to be aware of that. So I don't do it again. Right. And I think a lot of uh, people that ride motorcycles, they just get caught up in conversation. And um, quite frankly, a lot of them don't tell the truth. Right. Uh, You won't hear a guy go, oh, yeah, boy, super scared on that corner. We're going a little fast, boys. Right. Uh, But uh, I honestly, I have no shame. I will sandbag somebody if I'm not feeling it. I'll sandbag like our cardos will disappear and and everybody go, where's Graham? Don't worry about it. He's coming, right? And it might it might be a perfect time to ride and a perfect day to ride. You didn't do you have been partying, you haven't been doing any of that stuff. And for whatever reason, my brain just doesn't react the way it it should, or on that perfect day of riding when it seems like you don't have to think about anything. You're just floating. And you're doing all the things but it's so natural. You're not fighting anything and it's just perfect. And then it could be the next day. And it's like, why am I either overthinking this or whatever it is? So uh, I'm very in tune with how I ride. And uh, so are the guys that I ride with. They just go, oh, he's fine. Or look at him go. Like it's, you never, it's a new, it's like Lego. It's a new toy every day. You really know what, don't know where you're going to get until you're in it. And that's something that um, has come up a couple times through this season on the podcast when we're talking about hard lessons learned and and how to, you know, work through those. And there's a big common theme of who you pick to ride with and be around is really key to moving through things because We often tell like new riders, you know, just ride for you. Like you ride your ride. You don't need to keep up. You don't need to be anything special. You just need to enjoy yourself and get home alive. And so it sounds like you found or you have a a group of guys, which I'm sure you didn't find. I'm sure they were your friends before you got into bikes. You just, you just came to the party with a, with an Indian one day and, uh, you're all like in tune. If, like you said, if you lose you off the cardo, that's okay. You'll, you'll come pop back in in probably 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. How yeah, long it, have you been riding with these guys? Uh, well, not long. One stopped riding. Um, he stopped. Um, but maybe, I don't know. And we're not always out. Maybe, um, well, it might have been shortly after, 2017, 2018 kind of thing. And then we started getting serious about doing trips. So it'll be four of us to Vancouver Island, and then it would be uh, just two of us going down to um, Idaho and through Spokane and uh, up through Castlegar and all that, Caslo. Um, and he's really he's been a really good mentor. He's uh, about maybe 10 years younger than me, but he understands, and we just – go and cruise and it's perfect. Right. Um, and those cardos, the communication, whatever you have, uh, 
um, very like unbelievably useful tools. Some guys are like, oh, I don't, I don't want anybody in my ear, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, I could have told you that there's a two by four. Uh, and if you're riding like five seconds behind me, you might not see it. Right. Like, um, or if you are passing, right. Perfect tool, lots of room, no problem. Just get on it, drop a gear and we're good. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I have one guy that I ride with is kind of the quarterback that kind of takes over the lead every time. And yeah, it's been, it's been great. Right. And I was one of those anti-com systems persons for a long time, just like I was anti-heated gear until I wasn't because <laughs> right. heated gear has its place. Um, but the comm system, I, I am going to echo with you on that. I did a girl's trip with, uh, with a friend of mine who lives down in the Strathmore area. And actually she was at the, the event that we're going to talk about next. And, um, we did a girl's trip and that was the first time I really utilized a comm system to communicate with someone else. And as a newer rider, she was behind me. And as she was getting more confident in the windy roads in BC, it was this corner's a little bit tighter, you know, just those yeah. heads up things that you're talking about, or I need, I, this old lady that I'm turning into needs to pull over and stretch for a minute. Cause I'm a little sore, you know, is that okay with you? Yeah. Great. We're not talking the whole time. That's not the point of comms. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, you can have your music low volume and then you can just go, Hey, yeah, I need some gas or whatever. We can all do the hand signals. We get it. Um, it it's just, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we love it when we ride we're you know, you're not talking all the time, might be joking here and there, but those moments that uh, you remember when, Ooh, thank God we had that communication system or blah, blah, blah. Right. Oh, and while, we're, while we're talking about uh, this stuff, I want to bring this up. Um, I reached out to a company called break free. Um, I think they're out of Colorado, but basically it's just a, uh, it's an LED light that goes on the back of your helmet, uh, super bright. Um, and it works off uh, like a accelerometer and a gyrometer and it detects, um, it detects your deceleration. It's not hooked up to your brakes. It's not Bluetooth to anything. You just turn it on and that's all you have to do. And I was riding with my son out to, Banff and it started raining on us. And when we got to Banff and we pulled into a parking lot, I think at Bow Falls and a lady that was in traffic behind us, she goes, excuse me. I go, yeah. She goes, I could see you over anybody in that traffic. And I was like, Oh, and I thought, wait, I wasn't going crazy. She goes, no, the light on the back of your helmet. She goes, I could see you wherever you went. I was like, oh, perfect. That's what it's for, right? Uh, yeah, so I think it's um, breakfreetech.com. So it, it, it's just an, another added piece of safety equipment. As soon as I saw it, I went, yeah, I got to reach out to these guys for sure. So shout out to breakfreetech.com. So super yeah. cool. And you looped us into that to try and, and bridge that gap as well. And I need to uh, do a follow-up with them uh, about that because I've seen your videos that you post on your socials with that technology. It's fantastic. Like you showed how it flashes brighter as you're, you know, you do that deceleration motion. Yeah. 
And I mean, the more visible we are, the the better. And and that lady coming up and telling you that proof positive, right? Right. And uh, also, I I think like I don't ride a lot at night. Um, but for anybody that's on a sport bike, you know, you got to be visible. You're already invisible. I, you try the best you can. Uh, if you put that thing and it looks it looks cool, uh, you put that thing on the back of your helmet and they will be able to see you for miles. They really will. It's a really cool attack. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to look more into that uh, and hopefully build a relationship with those guys as well. Thanks to you, of course. So let's get into the exciting moment, something that I was so happy to see and happy to get down to Calgary early enough before your event was done. The return of the CJ ride for kids was this year. Yeah. How did that feel? It was, yeah, it was really good. Um, we of course paused everything like the world did for a couple of years there. And I think my boss just said, Hey, do we want to bring this back? I go, well, yeah, yeah. It's just people gathering and riding on motorcycles and eating barbecue and watching a rock band. Um, and thank you for popping by. That was awesome. Um, it was, it's just a, it's just a good day. Um, there's no route. Um, I don't bog or I try not to bog people down with a route. We don't ride in a snake. It's not a parade. It's like gather in the parking lot. We have coffee and donuts and uh, free swag for everybody. We have a couple of stops that we tell everybody. We just, you just text 92, 92, 92, and then it'll show up on your phone. So we just have a couple of stops. And I said, you can go there or not. We have prizes at both locations, but just come back here later and then we'll watch, like we have this school of rock house band, these kids that blow everybody away. Um, they're playing like brand new Metallica and stuff. And then we just, we're at Big Sky Barbecue on the big patio. So super easy day to do. And uh, yeah, it, it, it tends to get bigger and better every year. Right. This was kind of the getting back into the groove year, but we'll see what happens next year. So usually the first Saturday in June. That was my first time at Big Sky Barbecue. Right. That, that was my first time getting to check out the CJ Ride for Kids. And for your first year back post COVID, that was a decent turnout. Like that was pretty darn good. And yeah. then. Those kids, like those kids, my God, like those kids rocked it up there. It was like, it was such a well put together, well organized event from what I saw. And I got to watch the pig come out that you guys were going to carve up and feed to everybody. And that was also my time to go, I'm out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I've I've been to a pig roast before and uh it's for me it's creepy. But yeah. uh <laughs> it is it is a cool event and and for you know it, it no, I think this year we were um uh right around like fifteen thousand dollars for five or six hours, right? So and all that money goes to the kids fund and then we disperse that throughout the year. Um if um, somebody's wheelchair gets stolen or their specialty bike or somebody needs uh, maybe a, a donation for a playground or football equipment, uh, smashed guitars, that kind of thing. So uh, it works out well. Yeah, it works well and it's for the right cause. So, 
Well, and we will be very happy to advertise and promote that again for you guys next year when you bring that back as soon as that information is up. So please tag us so I don't forget to share that out. Absolutely. And on that note, my friend, any last final tips for our listeners? Um, yeah, if you're a, if you're a dad and I have, uh, I have, uh, two kids, um, so 26 and 24, uh, and they both start riding, uh, you are going to be a nervous wreck. So make sure that, uh, you all have comms and you teach them slowly, but surely. And you know that they're not going to necessarily do it. And it's like, okay, you can dab them all day long and they will eventually do something that you go, okay, Hey, you're screaming in their helmets. But then after the ride, you can go, okay, look, here's what you did wrong. And don't do that again. So if you know what I'm talking about, and maybe you do, maybe your grandfather, maybe your father uh, and your daughter starts riding. uh, It is not good for your ticker, right? Like it's not good. And it's not even just riding with them. It's um, they leave the house on their bikes and then, you know, 15 minutes here, an ambulance. It's like, and your first thing is like, oh my God. And now everything's fine. Chill out. I'm, I'm glad they are on bikes, but it is nerve wracking, right? So take a deep breath, my friend. You know it. I have my <laughs> hair to lose. So. <laughs> All right. I got one last comment. Then we're going to say goodbye. You said the car that you're working on right now, that's almost ready to go and fire up. Is it 1975 model? Uh, it's nine. Yes, it will. And I'm sure glad I work in radio because I will never be able to feed this thing gasoline anymore. So it's going to be three blocks of noise making rubber burning machine. And then I'm going to put it away because I can't afford to drive it any further than that. Oh, well, there goes you promising me on a recording that you will take me for a ride in a car from the year I was born. Well, you can, but it's going to be like four or five minutes. And okay. that's about yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Then we'll hop on the bikes and head to Highway 40. You got it. That sounds like a plan. Perfect. Okay, Graham, Reaper. I will say Reaper (laughs) just because, you know, that's what most people know you as. I know you as my friend and I want to thank you for all the time you take for AMSS and, uh, and for this podcast and everything else that you do and stay great. My friend, you're amazing. You as well. Thanks for the invite. Always, always happy to come on the podcast. On today's mailbag, we got a question not from a motorcycle rider. We got a question from a driver of a vehicle who wanted to ask a question about weaving and speeding motorcycles. Not going to lie, Jazz sounded a little annoyed, but I'm here to answer the question because it was asked, why do motorcycles weave and speed through traffic? Well, there's two reasons. The first one is the obvious one. If they're doing this continuously and they're not adjusting for traffic flow, then they're being reckless. Chances are they're being reckless. And yes, there is a small minority of our community that are a bit reckless on the road, which is why AMSS exists, because we want to try and educate everybody, including our own community, on how to be better. However, with that said, 
sometimes we need to weave or speed up to get ourselves into a safer space where we can be seen and not crowded. Those types of riders like myself will then readjust to be following the road rules. So not all speeders and weavers are being dangerous. Sometimes we're trying to do this so that we can get ourselves into a safe space. So I want to thank the car drivers out there who are listening to our podcast, because that's what this is all about. Teaching everybody little tips about motorcycle safety and awareness. And that is our show for today. To make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming podcasts or to listen to previous ones, make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest you think would be great on the show or a question for the mailbag, let us know. You can connect with us through the socials. Email us at info at ab-amss.org or reach out through our website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We'll see you out on the road.